If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Don't Quote Me. I'm your host, Orla Condon, and this week I'm joined by content creator Jen Morris. Coming up on today's show, has Taylor Swift found herself a new man in 1975 lead singer Matty Healy? Well, the evidence is very compelling. The Writers Guild of America are on strike, but what does this mean for you and your favourite shows? And Megan Trainer made headlines again this week for sharing intimate details of her sex life with husband Daryl Sabara, but for a very good reason. In other news, Jen is filling me in on why everyone back home is talking about the second season of Kin. I'm sharing some styling tips in a segment nobody saw coming. And as Beyonce prepares to kick off her Renaissance tour, Jen is predicting what fans might expect to see. Let's get stuck in. Okay, guys, we're coming to you a little bit crusty this week. It was the weekend I spoke about on my bottom paper a few weekends ago or a few weeks ago where I had two weddings and here to help me through this episode, talk about some of the various things going on in pop culture. Jen Morris, I'm so glad it's a friendly face. I'm so glad. You can do this. I believe in you. I'm good. I'm good. Good. I'm, I'm happy to see you. 
Um, yeah, wedding season is well and truly back. I had two weddings this weekend, one on Friday, one on Saturday. Congratulations to Lisa and Brian and Anne-Marie and Connor. A great weekend was had by all, but fuck me, I am tired. <laughs> Jesus We're Christ. just not built like we used to, you know? Oh, girl, like I, so bad. I got a migraine during the first wedding and I had to go to bed. We had, Thankfully, we had a room in the hotel. I had to go to bed, slept through the entire dinner. Uh, then bounced back, came back, was there, right. so the lights were on at the end of the night. Great. I was like, this is a this is a poor sign ahead of tomorrow's affair. <laughs> but I I don't know where some Holy Spirit came and blessed me with energy um, to to celebrate my friend from secondary school. And you know what? It was it was great, but yeah, I I I need a week off now. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. now I need more time. But like off. at least you had the hotel room. Like I do you know what? I feel like when you hit 30, okay, it's just like you need to get a hotel room in the hotel where the wedding is on because you might need a little nap after dinner. You might need to refresh yourself and like you need to have access to all of your things. Yeah. I'm just not about that life anymore. Do you know like all of those like pieces of expenditure that will just make your life easier? Yeah. I feel like as the years tick by, all that money just feels like but I'm doing the, it's like an investment in my mental health and in my yeah, sanity, worth like it. worth it, worth <laughs> it. Um, so yeah, that was my weekend. How was your weekend, Jen? Did you get up to anything nice? Not a bit. Lovely and relaxed. <laughs> we went and did the Ring of Kerry last week and oh, nice. it was lovely. Yeah. Very wholesome with my mother. Um, lovely. So the weekend we did absolutely nothing absolutely I, nothing and it's that's, great that's on the cards for me now next weekend a bit of life admin a bit mm-hmm. of catching up on the shows all that kind of stuff sounds good yeah. to me I'm just like look I'm waiting I'm going to see Beyonce in 12 days oh Jen and I'm very excited oh. so I'm prepping as we speak apparently it's a three hour show I need to be ready I am um, like brace yourself everyone who's going and not going because Instagram stories is just going to be like Instagram TikTok it's just that's the only thing that's annoying these days I feel like we'll have seen 99.9% of the concert by the time that we actually go but I don't care yeah like I don't I don't need to go see Taylor Swift now like I know the whole set I know the jumping through the stage oh is she in the water like I know it all like I know Mm. it all um We'll come back to Beyonce in a while because we're going to discuss a little bit more. But and before we dig into the stories that I've told you about, there was some breaking news in the last five minutes uh, in the Real Housewives space. I'm proud of myself that I've made it through two episodes on this podcast without talking about the Housewives. But Real Housewives of Atlanta star Kim Zolciak has filed from divorce from her husband, Croy Beerman. Um, according to TMZ, the Real Housewives of Atlanta star uh, lists April 30th as the, as the date of separation between her and the former NFL star. Kim is saying that she's filing for a divorce due to irretrievably broken, because it's irretrievably broken with no hope of reconciliation. She's asking for primary physical custody of the kids and joint legal custody. And she also wants spousal support and to legally restore her maiden name. The pair have been married for 11 years and have four kids together during that time. Uh, Recently, they've been in the press due to some financial troubles. They owe $1.1 million to the IRS in unpaid taxes, uh, interest and penalties. And they also owe the state of Georgia $15,000 for unpaid taxes. Um, from a few years back. Just a quick zip, zipping Oh my through. God, thank you so much. Will Just I tell you something? On top of is, things, this a, you know? is this a safe space? Okay. I, I, I think so. 
I have never seen an episode of Real oh. Housewives. And I, do you know what? I feel like every time I see it, it has all the ingredients. It is that so. Would make something yeah. I would love. Yeah. A hundred percent. I've never dipped my toes in the water. Do you know what? I was very intimidated. And I've said this loads of times. I was very intimidated by the Real Housewives space as well. It's, there's so much of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's so iconic. There's so many people. There's all these characters. And I'm like, where do you start? There's so many seasons. And <laughs> What's the lore? What, like, yeah, what's, I need like a map, like some kind of guiding light as to how I get through this. And then COVID happened and they brought some series onto Netflix and we just started. And like, once we dipped into that first season of Beverly Hills, then we were like, oh, we'll go over to New York. Oh, we'll pop over to Potomac. Oh, we'll go. And now I'm like... I don't even want to think about how many episodes I've watched. Like, like in the space of like what four years, I've definitely watched about fifteen hundred episodes. I'd say like it's mm-hmm. it's outrageous. It's outrageous. Um, but I get I get the like hesitancy to dive yeah, yeah. in. Like it's I so get large. it. It's, it's like Grey's so Anatomy. Big. I'm just never going to do that. Have you never watched Grey's Anatomy? No, I have like back in the day, but you know, people like I saw like Fanula, like didn't she spend like three or four months like watching yeah. Grey's Anatomy? She like dedicated herself, was like, I'm going to watch every single episode. And I was just, that, I no, couldn't do I it. Think that, was that not ER? Oh, it was ER. Yeah. Same, same. But oh, different, ER of a Sunday night. <laughs> Sunday night ER, half past nine after the news. Do-do. Oh, I was so excited for it. I used to love ER. Grey's Anatomy, yeah, I'm the same. I watched it when it was like, or T2 Tuesday night 9pm followed by prison break oh yeah you know? a great mix a great a great time in history <laughs> yeah. I think um, right let's dive into our first story of the week Taylor Swift and Matty Healy mm-hmm. are they aren't they what's going on there's been other dating rumours um, this all comes off the back of of course our split from Joe Alwyn that was announced last month um, and in the last kind of week or so all of these reports about her and the 1975 frontman Matty Healy becoming a couple and him being at her gigs did you see this coming or were you even though they were kind of linked before I was still look like, I didn't see it coming but people are weak for Matty Healy I'm sorry I just I personally don't get it okay? don't get it don't get when, it especially when like Ross the bass player is just there standing there all like six foot two of him like an absolute god right sorry I love that you just goes Ross <laughs> me and Ross, Ross go way back right like he's he's actually so unreal like do you know what if anyone is listening to my pod and paper when I was on it I have a big thing about men with big thighs I love a man with a big thigh she and he loves, has great thighs I love a pair of thighs thigh. yeah. but I did not see a comment but then they're, you look they're in the same space you know but what is mad about it is this whole like it feels like a fanfic it feels like a story written by a fan there's these videos going around of them like looking at the screen and I think they said this is about you you know who you are I love you they like mouthed it to the camera like it is wild this feels it's giving the time in her life when she was with Tom Hiddleston is that his second name Mm mm-hmm it is. Yeah, Hiddleston, I had to quickly Google that. <laughs> it's giving that moment in time where it's like, are they together? And it was like so like documented mm-hmm. and like 
all of these he was wearing the like I heart TS t-shirt and yeah. it just felt very like heavy very quickly and I'm dipping like I'm tiptoeing through this story because I'm very aware that like Swifties are a hardcore mm-hmm. bunch of bitches and I'm not meaning any offense but it just has kind of sprung up out of nowhere and now like you say they're like miming that it, they love each other he's yeah. like going to numerous gigs uh, like in a row in one weekend and, she's and he's like his hand on his heart like he's really like into it look more pair to him they're in the same space Look. they obviously have very like similar mm-hmm. you know crossovers but like the fans did the sleuthing then and they found the pictures of her from the concert with Denise with his mom Denise yeah. Welch oh, um, iconic imagery <laughs> iconic um, and then she came on and performed at one of the gigs as well she was a guest performance in like January so like maybe they've yeah. been together for quite some time Maybe now the although like the romance with her and I uh, romance the relationship they were together the for like six or seven years yeah yeah um, quite some time that only came out last month that they'd split but the reports are that they ended things back in February so it's not as tight a turnover as kind of people are speculating um and then it kind of got a little bit more salacious in the last kind of week or so when the Taylor Swift fans again like you said like these eagle-eyed fans finding all the little tidbits um found out that her inner circle had unfollowed. Joe on Instagram so like her brother Gigi Hadid the Heim sisters like all of the kind of T-Swift squad mm-hmm. um, this also came around the time that she was seen having dinner with Blake Lively and Ryan Wells who were very good friends of hers and it was said that immediately after that dinner, Ryan Reynolds also unfollowed Joe Alwyn on Instagram, which is interesting because he has noted um, how nice a guy Joe was in previous mm-hmm. interviews, how talented he was. He's spoken about him by name kind of over the years. Um, so this seemed like incredibly shady that like mm-hmm. all of these celebrities in Taylor's kind of orbit were quickly unfollowing Joe on Instagram, which doesn't add up to like, things ended well you know like no, they're on good I don't terms, think so. quote unquote because it's like like why are your friends are following him as quickly mm-hmm. as they can like it just seems very sauce especially when they all have like public profiles as well like they're going to be aware of the fact that people are going to be watching like who's following who's unfollowing and things like that yeah. as well no one is more aware of that than taylor swift like no. she so deliberately plans all of these details because she knows that she is leaving crumbs for everybody. So mm-hmm. I just, yes, yeah, so even that adds to the kind of weight of what they're doing. But you know what? Ultimately, she's dead right. She's dead. Do what you want. Like, do you know what I mean? I would and be like, a bit raging as well if like all my friends were still following my ex's six years. Yeah. I'd be like, no, you're my friend. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I own you. Like you are mine. You're my side. I get custody of you in the separation. I'm sorry. Like yeah. that's how this works. Yeah. No, I think it's good. Like it'd be interesting on you. I just think look, like they are so random to me. So, so, so random. So but random. like then again, I think in the arena that they're in and like they're both musicians, touring musicians, massive fans, like a lot of crossover in their audiences. Yeah. Like it kind of makes sense. It does make sense. And I mean, it said that Jack Antonoff is the reason that they reconnected. Mm-hmm. He's the lead singer of the Bleachers, a huge producer, was very, very involved in 1989, uh, which is personally one of my favourite Taylor albums. Um, and he also worked with ni- the 1975 on their recent album. Um, so it kind of makes sense that like they would come back into each other's space. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did date like almost 10 years ago. That picture that's going around is her with Nick Grimshaw and Maddie Healy on like a night out in London. She's rocking the short bob. It's like such a moment in time for Taylor. It just and it, it's as bizarre now as it was then to think about the two I just of them together. They were chums. Well, he denied the rumors, didn't he? I remember okay. at the time he was like, "No, like 
these things get blown out of proportion. Like we swap numbers, but like everybody does in the same when we're in the same industry mm-hmm. and we're kind of mates or whatever. Um, and like when he's on stage, just shifting fans left, right, and center. Like I suppose a woman might question. <laughs> I, I mean, things are. I certainly would. But then you're saying, like you said, Taylor was seen mouthing. Uh, I have it here. So this is about you. You know who you are. I love you. And um, before singing, um, performing Cardigan at a recent show. I think that was in Nashville. And then Matty was also caught on camera at mm-hmm. one of the 1975 shows. Um, as he was drinking a bottle of wine, the reports also mm-hmm. listed, saying the same words. Um, and that was only like last week. It was so intentional. Like, I'm sorry. So like, it wasn't even like a little... You know, sometimes you read things and you're like, oh, my God, this is such a reach. And like, oh, this yeah. a stolen look or like the way they brushed past each other or whatever. But this yeah. is like he if you see the video of Matty Healy mounting these words, he is like pointing into the screen. He's like, this is about you. Yeah. Whereas like I feel like Taylor is definitely a bit more coy. Yeah. She's kind of smirking, whatever. Now, she said what she said and it's very clear. But yeah. like ultimately, I think his was like the most damning that yeah. it was like, OK, that is definitely exactly. Exactly what they're saying because I know initially as well people were kind of saying that is he going out with Phoebe Bridgers um, yeah because they're on tour together but after this no they no. are together I think he they did, are together. he did come up and perform with Phoebe Bridgers who was opening for Taylor in Nashville so mm-hmm. he was on stage during the era's tour so that could have been maybe like why he was there but he was yeah. there multiple nights he was singing along to all of her biggest songs I think it just feels so jarring as well because she famously for quite a few years had very public relationships with many men in Hollywood mm-hmm. and faced uh, an onslaught Huge of criticism for, it, yeah. for dating the shock as a woman in her early 20s dating all of these amazing men that she that came into her life based on her career mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff and she has spoken about it in the years since about like going on the Ellen DeGeneres show and having to like pick and mix between guys and how she felt very belittled by it and all this kind of stuff it's like it must mm. have been awful. And like, you don't see celebrities in the same way be treated like that anymore because no. I think Taylor was just torn apart for this. Like the narrative around her was that she was this kind of like fussy getting with all these men mm. and like throwing herselves. And it's like, this was across like, you know, yeah. eight She's just a young woman dating like as most people dating. do. Yeah. I, you know what, Joe? I think at the end of the day where my, <laughs> I think my confusion in this whole thing is I feel like Matty Healy and Taylor Swift don't exist in the same cinematic universe. No, no. <laughs> they just no. are not, you know, no, so it's I, this crossover. Especially given, like you say, the kind of public persona he has had in recent months mm-hmm. and this kind of, you know, TikTok thirst for him that has kind of grown and grown and grown over the course of the 1970s vibes recent tour. It just feels like in a different space entirely to where Taylor is. And I think mm-hmm. because she kept her relationship with Joe Alwyn so private yeah. and she, and, and he seemingly wanted it that way. He seemingly did not want to be in public eye. He even used a different name uh, when he was credited for writing some of the songs on, on her recent albums as a different, like he really did not want to live their relationship out in public. And I, I understood that based mm-hmm. on the kind of scrutiny she faced in previous relationships, but this feels so jarring then given she was so private in her previous relationship this is like within a week we have like dozens and dozens and dozens of stories and pictures and you know things to report on because they're living it out quite publicly I suppose though at the same token I know like he was an actor and all that as well but like oh I suppose they're both 
public figures. Yeah. Whereas I suppose like Joe Alwyn might have felt that if they were really public about their relationship, that he'd become like Taylor Swift's partner as opposed to his own person. Because like, I know this is like really random. This just came into my head there. But like, do you remember that video of Ariana Grande? And she's like, I'm not Big Sean's ex. I'm not like Niall Horan's <laughs> yeah. potential, yeah. P- like secret partner or whatever. I'm Ariana Grande. And if that's not good enough for you, I don't know what yeah. to say to you. So I think like maybe that was why he wanted to keep it so secret yeah. in that like a, a fear that his whole career and personality would just be eaten up by this like mega superstar. Yeah. And like you to know? be fair, like when they first were dating, he was relatively unknown. Um, he wouldn't have been a big and I mean cons- I mean like really now he is still in comparison to Taylor Swift relatively unknown he is not yeah. as well known as her he is not a worldwide name we obviously know him mainly from conversations with friends, with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a couple of other roles like that but like his star is definitely not as bright no. as Taylor Swift's nor does he face the same level of kind of coverage as she does Mm-mm. so you could understand exactly what you say him not wanting to be intrinsically linked to her you know even if they did stay together you like yeah. wanting to create his own path and his own story and be his own person I get that but it it felt like she definitely bought into that and she also appreciated the value of that private relationship at the time so this almost feels like somewhat of a rebellion I mean there was reports saying that she wanted to kind of uh, her and Matty were going to you know, announce their their relationship on stage and do a performance together during the tour. And that hasn't happened. And again, like these are all just like reports, quote unquote. It's like from, walk the line. Yeah, re- reliable <laughs> sources. Married in a fever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give us that duet, please, Eras tour. But like, it just feels like people are feasting on it, and for good reason because we haven't got this kind of story from her in quite a while because she has been in a solid relationship and mm-hmm. she has kept it private. Yeah. I think that's her prerogative. I think like, look, Absolutely. at the end of the day, like if she wants to date 25 people, if she wants to be with someone for six years in private or like now, if she wants to just shout about how in love she is and everything. Yeah, she's dead right. I, I, I don't know. I just I feel like the whole narrative around her is so difficult. Like, I feel it's so difficult to watch because, as you said, like people definitely don't get it as hard as her anymore. But like, yeah. You know, there's even clips of her being interviewed and she's like, your man is like, there was it the woman says, oh, I think you're going to go home with more than awards, like lots of men. And she's like, no, like, I'm not going to go home with loads of men. Like this idea that she is just this loose woman in Hollywood or whatever, like it's awful. It was awful. It was absolutely awful. And she's just, she was so young coming to fame that like everything was under a magnifying glass. So like if she's madly in love with, with, Matty. I couldn't even think of his name there. I was in my head, I was like, Ratty Healy is like that what they all call him on TikTok. <laughs> if she's like madly in love with him and wants to shout it from the rooftops or yeah. mime it to her fans, I think more power to her. Yeah, I guess it also comes as a surprise because there was rumors going around as well about are you an F1 fan? I feel like you are. I've I look, I've watched Drive to Drive Survive. To survive. That's I what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I'm, oh yeah, was this like, I think I saw this. I think, is it Sergio Perez that she was linked no, to? Fernando Alonso. Fernando Alonso, yeah. There was like rumours she was also dating him. There was reports that one of her songs was written about him. Mm-hmm. And like him and Formula One fucking capitalised. They ran social content after social mm-hmm. content with Taylor links. I saw videos of commentators like commentating on 
races I love I don't know I yeah. don't get the F1 thing like dropping all of these like oh, oh he's driving very swift and all this kind of like oh right yeah his narrative and that was kind of all a buzz there for like it felt like ages it was probably like two weeks and then this Matt Healy stuff came out and it was like but what about Fernando Alonso? what about poor Fernando <laughs> wait what's going on I'm so confused it's just so funny that all of a sudden we're back in that kind of like I don't know what, like 2010, 2012 mm-hmm. kind of space where it's like she's linked to this person and this person and this person. And while there's definitely substantial evidence linking her to Manny Healy, I mean, there's pictures of them in the back of a car. In oh, there's de- look, I'm sorry, as I said, something. there's something there, even yeah. down to like this whole thing on the stage that locked it in for me. Why are they both doing the exact same thing? Yeah. Like, and the fact they both said, I love you. I'm sorry. They are dating Swifties and 1975 fans. If you feel sad, he is never going to love you. (laughs) 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 He loves Taylor Swift and that's it. That's it. Oh God. Um, It also, there's another story that was kind of swimming around as well, all kind of in the last week, again, when she was linked to Matty Healy, trying to kind of paint Joe Alwyn as this kind of cash grabbing nasty ex and kind of linked to this story of all of her friends on following him on social media. And I saw a lot of um, headlines, like one headline, I think it was in The Sun, uh, said Joe will be raking in the fortune uh, for years off the back of Taylor Swift. And I thought it was interesting the pivot based on how Taylor was always kind of seen as this person to kind of you know, leeching off of these famous men and, you know, using them for music. And I thought it was interesting that now Joe was kind of being put in that space. Basically, like I said, he wrote a number of songs with her on recent albums um, under a pseudonym. But like, obviously then with that comes the great royalties that you're going to get four years to come. Um, he will easily make a five-figure sum every year from his contributions to Source Told the Sun, uh, writing six songs for albums as big as Taylor's, guarantees a healthy income stream for life. Which, like, sounds very begrudging until you consider the fact that there are tons of writers on those albums yeah. who all deservedly so get paid for their work on those albums. Sorry, he's not leeching, like. He's not leeching. And isn't it terrible, like you said, five figures? And in my, I had to think in my head how many figures is five like what's five figures I was like is that a lot or is that like but like yeah I think it's it is. not I mean it's also not a huge I wouldn't have thought that would be a huge amount in yeah. royalties but like five figures could be 10 grand but it it's probably more grand. than that but like yeah see look that's five I just counted them <laughs> you were there like <laughs> yeah like um, I just thought like, it was I doubt he got in a relationship to her and was like I really hope that I get to co-write some for music and get a couple of grants oh I'm gonna rake it in here on these songs like I wonder yeah. what he got paid for conversations with friends like like doing a quick google there now but I just thought it was funny that like um that that was the narrative that he was like it felt like he was like thieving from her you know that he was mm-hmm. he was coming for her money and it's like no he worked like he worked on this music. He deserves an earning. I wonder what happens in like that situation, right? Like, so like obviously Taylor Swift is like so wealthy, right? And she can do whatever she wants. She can buy whatever she wants, go wherever she wants. Like if you're in a relationship with that person, like do you just assume that like they're going to pay for you? I don't like, think, I, I would yeah. say that'd be a huge disparity. Disparity? What's the word? Disparity. Sorry, there's an ambulance outside it's coming to collect my crustacean body. Like, oh God. Um, like there's going to be like a huge disparity in money. Like obviously in like most relationships, there's going to be someone who earns more money. Like it just, it is what it is. But it's yeah. never going to be like, 
I make a sensible 30,000 a year. Yeah. And you are a multimillionaire. <laughs> like, I feel like that's rare, do you know? I always think of, um, I always think of that interview with uh, uh, Jennifer Lopez and Leah Remini, who are like really good friends. Mm-hmm. But obviously like Jennifer Lopez is J-Lo and Leah Remini is Leah Remini. Remini. And they're talking, they're doing an interview with like Good Morning America or someone. And the interviewer is like, oh, who picks up the check? And Leah Remini is like, well, if we're going to like a really fucking fancy restaurant and there's a group of 15 of us, Jennifer, if we're going for lunch, mate. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. that's how it should work. Like, it's yeah. like, you mean, you know what I mean? It's like you live to your means. Um, yeah. Just Googling here, I can't find his salary for for um, conversations with friends, but his net worth is reportedly $4 million. Um, But Taylor's is $400 million. Cool. So like there is a disparity there, but like, if my net worth was $4 million, I would be like probably not blown away by getting, you know, 90 grand a year for royalties. I mean, it's a nice little bump. Yeah. I'd happily take it. Hello, employers. Um, but like, it's just the way they're writing it feels very... <laughs> if anyone wants to give me 90 grand a year, like literally anyone, anybody, I will take it. Like... Anybody. As I've said on record, I'll sell feed pics for that price. Like, I'd do it for <laughs> the check. Right. Absolutely. No bother. Um... And uh, quite a nice actually segue unintentionally into the writer's strike, which is also mm-hmm. kind of dominating headlines at the minute. It's not a very sexy pop culture story. No. Um, it's not enjoyable for anyone to read, but it is a big news story because of the knock-on effect it's going to have on us TV fans. Now, Jen, I'm sure, as we are somewhat of a similar age, you remember the 2007 writer's strike and well, the impact. I, was, I remember. Like. I was a young girl watching telly too yeah. late at night. Um, I remember because I remember mm-hmm. shows like Grey's Anatomy, like Desperate Housewives, all of those big shows around then taking these really lengthy gaps at really mm-hmm. terrible times because the writers were all on strike and they couldn't film without scripts or without tweaks being made on yeah. set. And it became this really, really big pop culture story at the time and while I didn't understand like what it was about no. why never, I definitely understood that like why is Desperate Housewives on a fucking break I'm old <laughs> six more episodes of this series I want to know what happens I want to um, know like I be like I can remember the first strike and again not really understanding it and like let me just be honest with you right now I didn't really understand it this time either. So I had to look up articles and explain it to myself like I was five. Yeah. Like but I like, needed to know exactly why they were striking. Um, but like is that's also like part of the problem, right? Like it's part of the reason they're striking is because like mm-hmm. they're undervalued and because we, the public, undervalue them because we put all of our adoration in the leading stars and some directors and some producers mm-hmm that these people then are devalued and then aren't getting paid what they deserve to get paid for the work yeah. that they're doing. And I think like as well, like what I saw was the huge problem is like back in the day, they would have like really depended on syndication to make their money. So like if your show yeah. that you worked on was bought by like Channel 4 or Comedy Central or whatever, like you would be yeah. guaranteed an income. Like we're talking about Joe Alwyn there, like he's guaranteed like five finger income every year and it helps creatives to work and thrive and things like that as well. But yeah. on streaming services, they only pay once. for the rights like there's no like you don't get like your residuals constantly because they pay this like fixed fee so I think that's like a huge issue and I think like as myself and yourself are both working in the creative industry like we both know how difficult it can be at times to get paid which is 
like a nightmare. So I think that like I completely understand where they're coming from. People consume so much content and so much entertainment yeah. these days that people should get paid. Even the person on the bottom rung of the ladder that's an intern, like should be getting paid a fair amount for working on a on a project, you know? Yeah. So I totally no, and, understand. And that's that's exactly it. Like last year there were nearly 600 original scripted series that aired last year new series and that was a new record and that's part of the problem there are there is so much output Mm -hmm. and the studios are trying to minimize the number of people on it creating what are called mini rooms which is less writers for shorter time periods to try and churn out scripts much quicker but what happens then is those scripts go to production and any changes that need to happen on set due to you know anything due to just like director's decisions, mm-hmm. cast decisions, maybe a change in the climate that might affect the story that they're trying to tell can't be made because or can't be made well in the best way for the show because their writers are not being paid to be there to kind of guide the process through. And it does have a knock-on effect on the results. I mean, the biggest example um, of the kind of failure of the 2007 strike is the James Bond Quantum Solace movie, which was filmed during the strike. And because of the fact that writers weren't there to help on set, Daniel Craig and the director Mark Foster at the time uh, had to try and save the movie themselves and had to make a number of rewrites. And many people would say that Quantum Solace is one of the worst Bond movies as a result of that. It's the same position that the House of yeah. Dragons series is now in. The second, se- the second series script has been finalized, but they haven't started shooting. And again, if anything they want to change or if actors want to kind of amend the text to suit what they believe works better for the character, those changes can't be made because the writers aren't there mm-hmm. to support those changes. Um, there's also this fear, weirdly, which again, I didn't even realize until kind of looking into this further, the fear of AI mm-hmm. and what that could do and how that could impact creatives. And It is terrifying. Them. It's terrifying. I mean, yeah. we've... We've discussed this, uh, myself and Cassie have discussed this like off air about like how it is really scary that there Mm -hmm. are tools being built that do the job that we are also doing and how people can kind of see them as like, oh, well, we can save on labor and just use this tool and how that's like a false way of looking at this kind Mm -hmm. of technology. Well, something I saw recently like that was actually like a bit frightening was, I know, did you see the person on Twitter that did the Joanne McNally jokes? no. They asked, and even Joanne McNally was like, I think I need to go sit down after this. They basically went on to ChatGPT and said, can you write me a joke in the style of Joanne McNally? And the joke, I swear to God, if so, if you, even the cadence of it, everything was like a Joanne McNally joke. Um, So like, it was just mad to think that like, that could be, you know, used to create things. But yeah. Uh, Ultimately, like the struggle is there. I read some stuff about the AI situation as well. And the struggle there is like AI is not this infinite, like creationist tool. It actually just searches the internet and finds things that will fit their, like whatever their narrative or what they want to create. So they're actually plagiarizing, but they're plagiarizing in a way that it won't come up as plagiarizing, but they are still taking work. So if you want ChatGPT, just say for instance, to write a script, like it's going to pull from different areas on the internet and inadvertently take work from creatives. Yeah. Like even more so. So like it's just scary. Like it's the kind of view of of chat of AI tools of like, oh well that the tool can do it. But like you say, 
the tool relies on human content mm-hmm. and human editing and human and human creativity to give you an answer that matches mm-hmm. your needs. But without that human content, it's not going to give you what it needs. So it's this yeah. thing of like, yeah, look, we can use it for different things, but it's never going to substitute for a human using creativity to write no. something, to, you know, tell a joke, to even mm-hmm. like writing music and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, but it is very scary. And for people who are, you know, picketing now and not mm-hmm. in a very strong position because at the moment they're kind of falling at a weird time when the autumn TV schedule is still kind of far enough away that the the studios aren't feeling the pinch right now to get the writers back in the writers' rooms. It's like having something like AI tools that the studios could say, well, look, we'll just use that to get by. Just puts it's you scary. in front It's very scary. <sighs> and, like, and like you say about creatives and payments and all that kind of stuff, as much as people like to think, you know, that these jobs are glamorous and like, oh, well, sure, you're writing for Netflix and that's so exciting and that's like what, you, mm-hmm. what you have to complain about. These people are, you know, probably not on full-time employment, probably no. not getting a monthly salary, probably you know invoicing for money and then not getting paid for months you know it's it's like it's not guaranteed work you're not on kind of a you know a six months to a 12 month contract it could be a rolling week to week contract you just don't know and that kind of as much as it is exciting I would imagine to sit in a writer's room and write for a Netflix series for example that has huge budgets has a really exciting cast like is being really hyped like we all know that like job security is sexy as fuck when you get to this age. Like it is a beautiful thing. I love like, a bit of job security. Oh, now. A pension. Oh, she's delicious. <laughs> like that is, you know what I mean? Take the glamour is worth nothing. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure you get this all the time about like free products. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm sure you get free products. And it's like, I would prefer to be able to go out and pay for my own free products and, and, you know, do all that stuff and have security. Like mm-hmm. it's just this kind of skewed vision of like, the entire space and like what it is to actually work in it mm-hmm. and I oh, mean 100 we're, we're both in full-time employment as well yeah. as being creative, so. but I worked for three years like freelance yeah. so like I did have the experience of it and like yeah you're trying to get like regular gigs that are going to come in every month and things like that as well but like it is very stressful like um and like obviously there are perks to it and things like that as well but like at the end of the day like it is you are all things to all people like I always say especially I suppose in my industry which was like kind of beauty content creation and stuff like that I always say to people like it's like a magazine like except that I'm the editor photographer videographer yeah like I'm payroll I'm everything like that's I'm HR she's a bitch I know (laughs) (laughs) yeah But like you're everything to so like that's the same with like a lot of these writers and stuff that, you know, they are working gig to gig and like, you know, a show that they're working on could get cancelled or, you know, they could get cut from it. And even that as well, these mini rooms, like I read an article talking about these mini rooms and stuff like that. It's not allowing younger talent to enter the space either, because if the writers rooms are being kept really small, it doesn't give people the opportunities to come in and, and hone their craft and, and develop their skills. And also the writing can become really stale because it's the same yeah, people same over people. and over and over and over again. Yeah. So I think like there's a larger issue beyond streaming. There's a larger issue. So yeah. I really hope that they get what they want because they're not asking for, I, I like, I think the pay increase is, that they're asking for is like three or 4%. It's like it's very small. Yeah, it's um, pretty minimal. And like studios are cutting back. Like they did, they have had kind of a disproportionate growth to what they've invested, but they're still making a lot of money. And like, when yeah. you think of like 
what the big stars are making. Now, obviously, like the front of camera stars will always earn significantly more than the ca- than the crew. But like the money is there. And like, yeah, your show is only as good as the people who write it. And as much yeah. as you can have insane talent, like, you know, like Florence Pugh or someone is incredible. And you're like, oh, she's so talented. She's only as good as the script that she gets. But then the writer that she gets to work with to be like, how can we yeah. adapt this to do whatever? Um. So yeah, it's just like fair pay for fair work. And I mean, it looks like as well, like there's thinking that the Screen Actors Guild and the Directors Guild of America, their contracts are also expiring soon. So, I mean, the the Writers Guild are hoping, well, not hoping, but they're kind of wondering, will they also join the picket line and also go on strike, given mm-hmm. that they're kind of in contract negotiations? The last strike lasted for 100 days and a lot of the members are predicting that this could go on for, for a lot longer, uh, given, as I said, that their leverage is not super strong right now because of the way the scheduling is and where they mm-hmm. fall in it. But it's just, it's it's the same reason why these strikes will come up every kind of, you know, 10, 15, 20 years with changing kind of consumption comes yeah. changing demands and comes a system that is not prepared for those demands. No. So then writers have to go back out and be like, okay, the system has changed. We now need to be, you know, like and it's like the most maddening take when you see people belittling the job and stuff like that as well because like I'm sorry we all sit down at night and stuff our faces and watch succession or watch a series or stuff like that as well like you're consuming the content like it's more important like culturally socially everything like they are involved like I think like to belittle their jobs and tell them to get over it like I think that's so yeah like maddening yeah and like we're consuming more than ever. Like mm-hmm. I I genuinely would watch a new series at least once every two, three weeks. Yeah. Like same. at least brand new series. Like and like I just don't remember I don't remember ever when I was younger, kind of watching, you know, traditional telly or whatever, ever having that much choice. And now it's mm-hmm. like you have endless choice. Like you're there's so much that you're like, I'm just not getting into that right now because I just don't have the time. And it's like there is a, an industry of people that are creating all that content for you. Mm-hmm. But because it's everywhere and being mo- it's just being totally yeah. like undervalued. Um, but yeah, so that's a big story at the minute. It is already affecting the late night talk shows and kind of SNL. That's where we're seeing it kind of perk up already with episodes already being cancelled and put on pause. Um, but it will eventually hit scripted series um kind of over the next few weeks and months. We'll hear of delays in, yeah. in I've kind of I've seen that they're they're saying there's already going to be delay in Stranger Things, that the yeah, series that's Stranger pushed. Things has been pushed already. Yeah. So yeah, it'll just be interesting to see. But like look, at the end of the day, people deserve to be paid for their work. It's just that simple. Full stop. Full stop. Um, Okay, another story that came up over the last week. And I have to say, as I admitted to you, Jen, when we were chatting, Mm -hmm. I also fell into the trap of headlines here and was like, what's going on? Like, what is this about? Mm -hmm. This is kind of cringe. Like, why would you be talking about that? Megan Trainer, who has been kind of in the headlines a little bit as of late because of what she's been saying on her podcast and working on it. Um, A couple of weeks ago, she got in trouble, as you flagged, about Mm -hmm. comments she made about teachers um saying fuck teachers sure, or something like that yeah. uh she had to then walk that back because mm-hmm. naturally there was a huge backlash in the u.s about the kind of the stress yeah, especially when teachers under. in the u.s are like on the front line essentially yeah. 
Yeah. Like Jesus Christ. So she was like, in she was in a lot of hot water over that. She mm-hmm. did a fairly weak apology, leaving the episode up there to, to gather listens. Mm-hmm. Um just kind of it was just kind of a, a big miss from her. Yeah. She had another episode last week, uh, as happens in podcasting. Um, and she was just talking about her sex life with her husband. Daryl Sabrara, who was famously the young fella in Spy Kids. Spy Kids. Um, and still terrifies me to see that he's an adult because he will always just be... An adult young. with a big willy, apparently. God. A massive William. <laughs> so this is what this is what the story was, right? Like, so the statement that made headlines that everyone will know about was that she says, um, quote, it's gotten to the point where I'm like, is it all in? And he's like, just the tip. And I'm like, I can't do anymore. I don't know how to fix it. And this started to have kind of churned out all these headlines about Megan Trainer oversharing and she's, mm-hmm. you know, talking about her husband's big member and all this shite. Next to her brother. Loads, loads, next to her brother. Loads of people on Twitter and social media being like, lucky you, you know, good man, Daryl. Like, you know, I wish I had the same complaint. Like all this kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like this really kind of like juvenile like chat, right? But then it turns out that most people, including myself because I don't listen and I didn't read beyond the headlines she was talking about uh, her recent diagnosis with vaginismus and how it has affected her sex life and her enjoyment of sex and how her whole concept of sex is very different to many people who see it Mm -hmm. as something that is pleasurable and that's just not her experience uh, given her recent diagnosis and for anyone who isn't aware it's a psychosexual condition which causes the involuntary contractions of the vagina and can lead to pain during penetrative sex. Um, It is the body's automatic reaction to the fear of some or all types of vaginal penetration. And one in 10 women women are confirmed to be impacted by the condition. So like no small number of women, like it's a large percentage of women. Um, And she said on the podcast that sex is incredibly painful for her, that she doesn't necessarily enjoy it in the typical sense that other people do. She said that line about kind of like, is it all in? Like obviously being in a lot of pain. And she said beyond that, she said, I thought that every woman was walking around, you know, was in this pain during and after sex. And I was like, you know, are you just telling me that I could have sex and not feel a single bit of pain? Yeah. And it's like, it's so interesting that I just, I just was surprised that the story was boiled down to that one headline mm-hmm. and that all of these headlines did not even clarify it at the end. Like I, obviously I've, I've worked for a lot of these places. I know how to create a clickbaity headline. I know how a, a sentence like that is an easy win for someone on a shift. That's like, I need something there that's going to do good numbers. That is an easy win, but you'll always try and put in a, like, you know, Megan Trainer discusses, uh, you know, painful sex with husband is it just the tip but he, and here's the reason why or so, mm-hmm. there's something to allude that there's yeah, more yeah, yeah. to it I than... think like look right and we yeah. fell into the trap as well we did what, do, what does it all come down to misogyny it's, it's all like at the moment in Ireland there is an ad for Viagra that plays every 2.5 seconds where like and it's like a little quick ad you can get it over the counter now all this kind of stuff yeah do you remember the uproar about the ad where people were being shown how to use tampons correctly yeah that they wouldn't be uncomfortable so I think like when things like that happen now what I will say is when I was watching the clip first I was a little bit like oh my gosh sitting beside her brother talking about (laughs) her husband's massive willy and I was like Jesus like it's a bit it's a bit intense like right regardless of whether she has a condition or not it's a little bit like oh god yeah um because like the good catholic irish guilt yeah i know like, isn't it it's in. just like oh 
But I think ultimately, like when you see all these clickbait headlines and things like that as well, like it does come down to like the fact that like the media is very misogynistic and women should like keep those things to themselves and not talk about it. When in reality, like I'm sure there was a lot of people that could relate to that. Or maybe like in her case, she kind of went her whole life thinking that like sex was just really uncomfortable and like wasn't to be enjoyed. But like then when she found out she had a condition, it was so different. So maybe there was someone listening that like heard that and said, oh my God, that's me. I didn't even know there was a condition there and now it's going to go get checked. So I think like there is a positive to it. But again, you fall into the trap of being like, oh God. And it's like what you say, like, like this isn't like, you know, this isn't like a gold badge for for Daryl Sparrow like it's it's not like a, it's not like a well done Nate do you know what I mean mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that he's like unreal at sex or he's massive downstairs mm-hmm. like it, it's not about that like it's about her suffering from a condition that regardless of what he is packing means that mm-hmm. she's not enjoying sex in the way that it should be enjoyed and no. it's her I suppose dressing it I would imagine kind of seeing her bits on TikTok and stuff her dressing it in a way that is kind of funny and lighthearted mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, leaning into those kind of tropes, but also like, but this is why, and like, this mm-hmm. is why now I feel so much more not comfortable with it, but able to accept it because at least it's like a condition. It's that feeling of like, mm-hmm. what is wrong with me? And why am I not like, why am I not feeling what I'm meant to be feeling in this moment? Why is my body not doing what it's meant to be doing? Mm-hmm. And I can imagine actually having a diagnosis and a name and an understanding for why it's happening it's not it's not a deliberate thing of you or something with your brain Mm -hmm. I imagine that must be and even methods like I think they were talking about like they use like meditation kind of things that's like she did say they tend to fall asleep which I was like god exciting sussy (laughs) um but like that there's ways they're finding ways to get through it but yeah 100% like I think that like fair play to her for talking about it but also I think like this like there's a lot of loose lips just happening all over the place these days like celebrities love a podcast pardon the pun like pardon pardon the pun but like (laughs) yeah I didn't even realize I said that but I think like in in the last like year we've seen a lot of celebrities just like absolutely air out everything like there's no bit of mystique anymore um but that's I think that's expected in a lot of cases now they expect them to be like a very open book about like their whole lives like yeah yeah and look I think in this case it was like for good reason she was talking Mm -hmm. about something that like will will hopefully have a positive effect on like you said other people who listen and might relate or it might just raise some questions that might make them go to their GP or whatever but like I know obviously we were speaking about Gwyneth Paltrow as well and her appearance on Call Her Daddy and talking about her sex life with previous famous partners Mm -hmm. like Brad Pitt and Ben Affleck and it just always makes me think of you know in Mean Girls where Janice Ian sees um, Tina Fey's character whatever Mm -hmm. and she's like oh seeing a teacher outside of school is like seeing a dog walk on its hind legs (laughs) and like honestly seeing like Gwyneth Paltrow talk about like how Ben Affleck was like technically, technically very good. Oh. I was like, oh, like as much as like they're both like desirable people, and I'm so glad that they had a desirable sex life. I'm like, I don't need to know this. Gwen- Maybe it's no. Gwyneth as well, though. And Maybe also, I just like, know she's too much in about Gwyneth. love with 
Brad. And like, I did think that was quite funny when she was like, is what's the girl that does call her daddy? Is her name Alex? Is it? Alex. Yeah. yeah Alex Cooper. Yeah. Um, She was like, do you think any of your exes have bought your vagina candle? You know, she's like famously has that candle that's like smells like my vagina. Oh, God. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if I could earn a book doing that, I would absolutely ten ten five figures. I would happily do that. For her daughter was there when it was recorded as well. It was like I don't we know. I both. just like I I do think that maybe it is the Catholic guilt. But like I just like yeah. if my mother started talking about like her sex life, I would like literally be like, "That's enough life for yeah, me yeah. now." <laughs> isn't it so funny I think though, I'm like, done. Isn't it so funny though? Like when we think about like how like pop culture and social media and access and all has changed. Like even in our lifetimes, like mm-hmm. think about in the nineties, like we didn't know a lot about celebrities. They were very closely guarded. Mm-hmm. Like we knew what was kind of like, we knew like very boring shit, but we weren't getting like salacious details. No, We weren't getting snaps of every move. We didn't know like what, like as soon as they had kids or what their kids were called or what they looked like. Then with like the rise of social media and like access and people needing to be on those platforms for like promotional purposes, it was like we knew everything. So you saw like the rise of the Kardashians, the rise of all these stars who were willing to like bear all and tell everything. And like, you know, you can have full access to our lives. And now we're kind of seeing that celebrity movement take kind of ownership of that space and deciding Mm -hmm where they want to put themselves in it, whether they want to remove themselves entirely from social media, keep themselves closely guarded, like, you know, Taylor Swift and Joe Alleman's relationship and how they made that active decision to be like, no, this is us. We're not giving you access. Or they decide to, you know, like Gwena Paltrow did, own that space, which I'm sure 20 years ago, if she was asked the exact same questions, she would have been very reluctant to like answer. media trained like yeah do you imagine would... her answering like fuck marry kill 20 years ago on imagine? like a massive platform like but and i suppose the difference would have been that it would have been like like letterman asking her mm-hmm. and it's and it, it would be an older man belittling her to being you know the, yeah. the sexual conquest of these big hollywood a-listers and i suppose in this space alex cooper is very you know she asks all these questions you know that's what you're getting with her but she's also, her guests are always on a pedestal. Like they're obviously yeah. more important than she is. They're more famous than she is. And I think it felt more like a like a, a conversation over too much wine. And it yeah. felt like Gwyneth Paltrow was very much in control of what she was willing to share. I suppose she's also in a different point in her life. She obviously feels... <laughs> like that, sorry. Oh. That's just it for me. Every time I see her now, I'm like, I wish you well. <laughs> oh God. But like Never that's forget. it. Like it it's funny that because like I kind of like I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one. I kind of feel like when a Paltrow is an absolute dose, right? Like anytime I see her talking about like drinking soup for 10 years, I'm like, oh go yeah. on, more power to you. Stick that egg up your fanny and have oh, a great gosh. time. Like live your life, right? But yeah. like watching the clips I, I i didn't watch the whole thing right i just watched some clips from call her daddy and um which is like my life now i just watch clips on tiktok and that's yeah, what yeah, i do yeah. um but i felt that she was really like she came across really well like she yeah. came across like really approachable and nice yeah. and funny and i was like you know what it's like do you know when you leave school and you meet a teacher like in a pub like years later and it's like how are we going to, are we still now, 
And are you still miss like, or can we call yeah. like, or is it Anne? Like, are we, are we going Anne now? Like, are we, are we, and you have a bit of a casual conversation. Now, obviously they're not saying, I remember when I was writing this fellow back in the day, <laughs> but like, it feels like a moment of like, oh, like we're allowed to kiki about this. Yeah, now. Like, yeah. Enjoy this. But it just, there's something about Gwyneth Paltrow that like, honestly, like if she donated millions to charity, I'd be like, yeah, whatever, Gwyneth. Like, I don't yeah. know about it. Like, it's like the Bono effect. Like, yeah. Like, and when people yeah. find out the Irish people are like, oh, not Bono again. <laughs> like, it's so funny. Like, he could do anything. And anything. like, literally you'd be like, oh, off Any- he goes saving the world again (laughs) (laughs) all right bottle we get it like (laughs) chill out (laughs) right jen it's time for our loves of the week um First up, we're going to go to something that I have not watched a second of. I put it down to my postcode, but I know that everyone at home is loving this because I see it all over Twitter. I see lots of people talking about it on Instagram. Tin. I watched the first season and I did really like it. Season it two. so good. Has it just finished or is it finishing? It finished last night. There was okay. a massive twist in the episode and everything like that, which annoyingly was given away by the continuity art, a, a continuity announcer. Oh, the continuity no, no. announcer was like warning for blah, 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 blah. Because um, obviously they have to give trigger warnings now. And then for the whole episode, you were like, something's going to happen, uh, which was kind of annoying. And a lot of, I, I saw a lot of like, people talking online were like, oh. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to say now, spoiler alert, because Jenna, <laughs> I feel like you should talk a bit more openly because hopefully most people who are watching it will have watched it. But spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Massive spoiler alert if you haven't seen the season finale of King. Kin, one of the main characters commits suicide in okay. the episode and um, it's kind of like a really shocking moment like but they said that there was a warning at the start for language violence and suicide okay so it was literally like oh like they kind of knew and there was two characters in it that it, like I was in my head was like it's going to be one of them that does it like not that they were like it's not like a depression thing. It was more like they were back was up against the wall. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. But um, a lot of people were saying that, that at the end, like it kind of took from that big twist at the end. Yeah. Um, where like, again, massive spoiler alert, where like a main character gets killed by someone and then they kill themselves. Yeah. So like, it was like this huge twist at the end. It like, no one saw it coming except for yeah. everyone was kind of waiting for it. And I suppose like that would have been that I don't think that was like a casual slip. I presume that no. was like disgust. Like you, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Like I would say, like it had to be. Like, but it was literally the last second of the show. Like yeah. I mean, like the last second. But I understand it has to be done. Yeah. But it is. I will say it's probably the best series that Ireland that RT have done since Love Hate. Love Hate. If you're yeah. into that kind of crime drama thing, um, I do think it's very funny. They're called the Kinsellas, and not like <laughs> you, you know, um. But it's just a really, really well done series. Now they do it in partnership with Bronze Studios, which is yeah. like AMC. So they do like The Walking Dead and yeah. things like that as well. So it feels like a really yeah. gritty series that you've seen before. Like it yeah. feels like a Breaking Bad. It feels like so it definitely, good. Like even when you, I remember in the first series, there was a scene where they were going to, they were going to dinner at someone's house. And I think it was filmed in like John Leary or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And like John Leary just looked so gritty. Like it just looked yeah. so, like we've seen like obviously Dublin and Ireland and stuff on film before. But like you say, it's like watching it through the lens of like a, a studio that has a very specific look. And mm-hmm. it just looked 
so different to what you normally see of Dublin on yeah. RTE. But it's just um, fair. I I did I think it was very 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 good and I really I'm like I was thinking to myself I was like will this be affected by the writer strike because it's like US written US yeah. and Ireland but um I don't know but it's it, I must say it's really good and even like the last few episodes like I was just on the edge of my seat constantly and like it's yeah. a long time and I'm sorry now RT you're great but like it's a long time since I watched something from RT that really yeah. had me like oh my god and it's unusual as well because it's episodic it's every week you don't get to watch ahead you don't get to binge watch it you just have to like wait and I feel like that was like I suppose an added part to it as well but yeah yeah, it ended it had such a massive twist in it and like yeah just it was so good it's honestly yeah so good I because I remember the days of like love hate not maybe before the last series when when anticipation for it was still piping hot and it was still mm-hmm. like like you know everyone was still pretty much alive or there was a lot of them still alive and I remember going back to college on a Sunday night and watching it on a Sunday night like being home for it on mm-hmm. a Sunday night because it was it was that weekly thing and it was so big and it was so mm-hmm. good it was so gripping and it like it was definitely one of my favorite shows mm-hmm. rivaling some of the like big we had US to wait a whole series like to see if Darren oh, died and like. And it's just mad when you think of like, say like Oscar season this year, when we had like, what, like six people up for best actor and actresses nominations. You had endless Irish people nominated for cast and crew. And like, there is no shortage of like, I know it sounds so cliche, but like there's no shortage of talent. There's no shortage of like Mm -hmm. people in Ireland to create this good stuff. It's just like not coming out on rtv yeah. channels like that like you say is in association with amc uh you know what's another one um like even like the young offenders and stuff was with bbc yeah. like Derry girls went to the uk like all of these big shows have come out it's like it's just such a shame that there's not more like fully irish productions that are screening like week to yeah, week but like look at like do you know what in the uk like they pay their their TV license or whatever right and I know obviously the pool is much bigger so they're getting yeah. a lot more money and things like that as well but like look at the things that they make like the BBC are incredible for series like their series are unreal yeah. like especially for the Maz the Maz love the BBC oh, series love them love them love them but like, I love them too I'm I'm always a winner for the BBC series mm-hmm. to be fair I'm such a man <laughs> <laughs> love it oh but yes. like the UK series are always so good like so it's great yeah. to see a series like that is Irish Irish actors like even like the only thing right the only thing and this is oddly specific is right. if you're anywhere in any way aware of Dublin and like where things are in Dublin and things like that as yeah, well yeah it's a little bit like oh like as in they'll walk in somewhere I think at one point like they walked into um what's that place across from the tree arena oh I can't think that hotel across from Tree Arena. Oh, they yeah, walk yeah. in there that where first dates is on. They walk yeah. in there, they go up the escalators, and then they're in Sophie's. <laughs> like, oh my god. Like, 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 the downstairs doesn't even match. No. Like, oh, I was god. like, that's not the same place. <laughs> I just always the worst example of it is, and for anyone who hasn't seen it, like watch it for the laugh. Do you know Leap Year with um Amy Adams and yeah, I've uh, not seen it but I know yeah oh Jen it'll drive you mad she comes okay. it's, it's a leap year her her boyfriend has not dropped not popped the question he's working in he's on a work trip to London I think okay and she's like I'm gonna go and I'm gonna propose on the leap year and then her flight is like 
like directed somewhere else and she has to get like a ferry but like she's like coming from Kerry and she's like walking and next thing this guy picks her up and she's in like Wicklow and you're oh, like lovely, yeah. bitch th- like you'd be looking a lot worse if you're walking <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's outright it's so bad the Irish accents are so bad but oh, it's God, so excellent. funny it's such a good like I'm hungover with a bag of chips type watching do you know what I mean love it really really good really really good um Speaking of being hungover with the bag of chips, um, I got a lot of questions. This is a really weird love of the week for me, right? Um, but I got a lot of questions this week because I was quite active on social with oh all the God. wedding snaps, right? I got a lot of questions about a very specific item that I was wearing. And I'm very happy to share it because I have such positive reviews. It was what bra I was wearing. Okay. okay. Jen, very important. Very important, right? Very. I don't know. I you don't need to disclose, but I'm of like not a small cup size, not an extremely mm-hmm. large one. But a strapless bra is a fucking. It's a feat to find a good one. Carla K coming through clutch <gasps> with the recommendation. The Bridgerton bra. Oh my god! Shout out to Michelle McCormick for naming it. Do you have this? I have this. It's fucking magic. I have never in my life gotten more compliments from my cleavage and like mm-hmm. in a really nice like like in a really nice respectful way and all from the girlies in the bathroom being like I wanted to ask you where's your bra for? like what are you mm-hmm. wearing got loads of messages on Instagram being like they're they're lifted they're secure like what it was incredible I know Carla has it listed on her Instagram highlights I double checked before coming on because I went on there to buy it like a week and a half ago <laughs> her power <laughs> But her power knows no bounds. Like, honestly, Carla, publicly, thank you so much. Save Un- lives, like. Unreal. Like, unreal. It's so out of sorts for a recommendation on this podcast. But I just couldn't let the episode go without being, like, drawing people's attention to it. I- I'm so glad you're also on board. That's like, so funny. The minute you said strapless bra, I was like, I wonder, does she know about Carla's strapless bra? Iconic. Like, honestly... <laughs> And Michelle McCormick perfectly named it the Bridgerton bra. It's exactly that. Like, because I'm rewatching Bridgerton at the minute because I'm yeah. obsessed. And literally, I'm seeing them all with their like high little titties, their perfect little <laughs> cleavage, perfectly lifted. And I'm like, wow, I can achieve this too. Like, you can who achieve knew? this at home. And like, it's really like, comfortable honestly, as well. I think it's because it's like a longer bra. It's almost yeah. like a bralette, but it's strapless. Yeah. Like, it sits or like a, a little bit corset. lower. Like, yeah, it of, is. Yeah. It has boning now, no, I like, will no say, my daddy's never looked better taking it off now was a sweet relief at the end of the night but yeah. like no more than like any other bra would have been and like a little bit more a little bit more but I was like it was worth the, eff- the yeah. effort and the pain because I was like they were up you know mm-hmm. they were present and active all night and so I happy feel so happy for me too honestly <laughs> honestly um, right, we have to quickly discuss before we wrap up. Beyonce tour is kicking off next week. You are going to see her. Are you going to see? Where are you going to see her at London? So I'm going to see her in Edinburgh and then Warsaw. So I'm very, very excited. Okay. It's <laughs> kicking try. off on Wednesday. Oh, oh, Beyonce said see the world. And I was like, say less. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited. I basically got tickets for Club Renaissance in Warsaw, which is okay. like at the yes. end of the stage, there's a little circle the and circle. I am in the circle. Wow. So I'm very excited about that. Everyone glued to Jen Morris's Instagram stories for all the content. So the first, the first show is on Wednesday the 10th and yeah. basically like there's been some leaks. Some people have been fired already from the Friends Arena in Stockholm because they were like leaking information. They were taking videos, everything. Yeah. So 
I will say like working somewhat adjacent to this stuff, like it, they mm-hmm. are, it, there's a tight lid on it. There is a tight lid. Yeah. I'm excited for it to start rolling and for us to start getting a glimpse of like what the vibe is, like what yeah. she's going to perform, what the set list so is going to be. Costuming. I just want to do Renaissance from start to finish oh, and man. then she can do all the old bits. Yeah. Um, like this will be my 20th Beyonce concert. Stop it, Jen. Like I I've never Beyonce. seen her live ever. <gasps> Incredible. She, now, her shows I've- are amazing. I'm hoping to grab tickets because last minute tickets genuinely like generally do come up. Mm-hmm. I know there's some still left. Mm-hmm. So I do think I might get tickets last minute for London um, because I just I honestly it's more the FOMO. I can't be arsed with seeing every fucker on my Instagram there. Yeah. And me being like I wasn't there. Look, she hasn't toured in seven years. This is her first is tour. And apparently the show is like three hours long. So I was like when I saw Taylor was doing a really long show, I was like she's going to do a long show. Yeah. But like because of that, she may not tour for another 20 years. Like Guys, she just will go into hiding. This is my fear. So I'm going to try and get there. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm going to try and get there. I just, I like that. That was my thing as well. It's like, it's been so long, you know, it's going to be epic. Like mm-hmm. homecoming was so amazing at Coachella because it was like yeah. the anticipation of what she was going to do. It was such a thought out creative. Mm-hmm. And again, like you say, you don't know when she's going to tour again because she's already set the precedent that she she's yeah. not always going to tour. And she's working with the same company that did the Formation World Tour, which if anyone has seen or was at that, it's the one yeah. with the big monolith. Like yes. there was a yeah, massive yeah, screen yeah. that like kept turning. So she's worked with the same team. So if anything, the staging is going to be incredible. She just dances her ass off. Like she yeah. is incredible. Her dancers. I feel like it's going to just be so like fun. Yeah. It's going to be a fun show. Yeah. And it's going to be everywhere. Jen, I hope you have everywhere. the best the best time. And I'm really looking forward to seeing this on your stories. Thank you so much for being here today. I apologize for how croaky I sound. Um, but I'd like to think that we held up pretty okay. We did. We did good. Yeah, we got there. We got there. Have a great week. <laughs> Thanks for being here. You too. Thanks you. Bye. Thanks so much to this week's guest, Jen Morris, for joining me on the podcast. And thank you to you guys for tuning in each and every week. You can find us on Instagram at don'tquoteme.podcast and on TikTok at Orla Condon. You can also find us on all of your favorite podcast apps so you can listen whenever and wherever you like. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode and all of the latest pop culture news. We'll talk to you then. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volur xc For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.